0: We hope you enjoy this message recorded at Equipus Church in Eden. For more information, please visit equipuschurch.com. What a privilege we have to be together in this place. And I just want to take a moment to just recognize that as we meet in peace and harmony and in comfort right now, there is a persecuted church. There's a church that's suffering. There are people, there are brothers and sisters of the faith that are suffering. Can we just take a minute just to intercede on their behalf? Can we just pray, Father, that you would have your way. Lord, you're not contained by rules or regulations. You're not contained by politics. You're not contained by hatred and terrorism. And so right now, in the name of Jesus, we intercede for our brothers and sisters. And we pray right now for those who are serving you faithfully. We pray for them right now. We pray the comfort of God, but we also pray in their comfort, Father, that they will find strength in you. And we bless them now. And we reflect right now in our comfort that you are right close to by them as they live their truth in you and in your power in Jesus name I pray. Amen. 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 Good morning, church. Good morning. How awesome to be here this morning. I've been so excited but I've also been a bit nervous because I, I know it's been a while since I, uh, you know, rubbed shoulders with some of you at T2 Conference. Who was at T2 Conference? Mm. And some of the young people that were at um, at uh, Summer Revolution, which was amazing. Yeah, so good. My honor and privilege to be with you here today and to help serve the the feast that God has for us. I want to honor your pastors. Can we just honor them this morning? Yes, great friends, and I just—I just think you, you're privileged. We are privileged to be in their presence. The, you know, like you have, yeah, like you just said, you're following in the wake of their obedience, and and we all are, we all are. And just wanted to honor you, your family, amazing children, uh, guys who, you know, you, there's a lot of sacrifice that you make. for the the kingdom of God. And for those of you who are serving alongside Will and Des, can I just commend you. Thank you for all that you do. But I feel at home here uh, because of the relationship. They said, please, can you be seated in the presence of God this morning? How awesome. What a privilege it is to share with you this morning. I come with not many credentials, but the only thing that I've been saved by the blood of Jesus, and I've been renewed, and I've been resurrected to life again because of His grace. And um, I get a bit passionate about that. And, and just seeing um, you guys step out in faith, um, you've said yes already. This is just following into that yes, hey. And I'm excited. Um, is anybody in church for the first time today? Yeah, welcome. <laughs> it's really cool for you, to, um, for you to be here. Can I just tell you a little bit about my story? Uh, tell you what's fresh. I just caught a plane and uh to come here. And um I just wanted to um talk about the the little conversations that you have uh when you're going from one place to another. And I love the fact that Pastor Will brought that that story, the account of, of the centurion who sends his servants to, you know, because Jesus said he says to Jesus, just send your word, right? So there was this young lady uh who was seated in, in the plane, where well, she came with lots of bags, she's from Kakura. And um, she lives in your city. She's a student at the university. Uh, she comes into the plane because her mum's just packed her bags with lots of stuff. And so we were in a small plane, and so she's like struggling to pack stuff into the locker. And uh, I just said to her, "Look, can, can I can I give you a hand with your bags?" And so we tried to put it in the overhead lockers; couldn't fit. And so I was like, "It might need to go under the seat." But what she did was she just kind of put it on the side. Of, of her, she's sitting in the window seat, and she just thought the flight attendant might not see it. And I said, um, excuse me, I, I used to be a flight attendant, and, and we see that. Like, <laughs> you, <yeah>. like <laughs> you can't hide that, so you need to put it under your seat. So anyway, conversations flow from there. And, and, and what started off as two strangers sitting on, on a couple of seats uh, now became a conversation, and you will see her in your house uh, shortly. Because, uh, so she does nutrition, she's studying health science, and she's wanted to become a physiotherapist. Her name's Letitia, and uh, she's from Kakura, had studied in Christchurch. And and just, you know, those little conversations that you have? But God, God opened my eyes to, uh, if I could just go there a minute, like we come to church and we bring our bags with us, uh, and we think, oh, where am I going to stuff this so no one sees it? And sometimes we kind of, we just chuck it and cover it, and we just think, like, no one's going to deal with that. But I think, you know, for, for, for the journey to go well, you, you actually need to be able to unpack your bags and you need to store it safely somewhere so that when turbulence comes, you know, the, the bad stuff doesn't come out of your bags. It means that you've, you've aired it and you've, you know, this is a great environment uh, to do that. And so, you know, if, if you're here for the first time or if you're new to church, this is a safe place for you to bring your bags, and this is a safe place for you to air your stuff, but in, in, in an environment where the people love and care about you. Cool? Yeah. Who's got your Bible? Yeah. Great. Um, turn quickly to Matthew chapter 4, and I just want to bring this um, amazing, I was just asking God, what do I say? What do I bring? And um, it just so happens to be your final Sunday, Matt and, Abby, and um, and so God's just said, um, I want you to talk about calling out of comfort. And so this is not just a word for you guys, but this is the word for the, for the body of Christ. Um, so, so Matthew chapter 4, verses 18 to 22. I'm reading from the NIV. Everybody excited about the word? Yeah. Okay, so as Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon and Peter. Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, uh, for they were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out uh, to fish for people. At once, people say at once. At once, they left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They were in a boat with their father Zebedee, preparing their nets. And Jesus called out, called them, and immediately they left their boat and their father, and they followed him. I reckon often some of the issues that we face a lot in church um, uh, is, is between our relationship with Jesus and how we view Jesus. Um, often we, 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 as we become new Christians or we're new to the faith, or if you've been on a, on a long time in the journey, we sort of see Jesus as this comfort guy. It's like baby Jesus, meek and mild, you know, like sweet baby Jesus, you know, and we sort of, we sort of keep him as that. And I want to say that uh, if, if that's your view of Jesus, I hope that changes quickly. Because Jesus didn't come to comfort you. Jesus didn't come to comfort you. He came to confront religion. Jesus came to confront status quo. Jesus came to confront what was happening in the time. And, And really, he didn't come to comfort people. He did healings. But remember, people got their healings out of discomfort. Right? Someone had to open their mouth. Someone had to push through the crowd. Someone had, to, someone had to cut through the roof tiles to get their healing. So it wasn't a comfortable thing. And so often in church, we just associate Jesus as this comfortable guy. And he's not. Well, that's not what he came for. Sometimes it's an uncomfortable feeling. And we need to embrace the uncomfortability of that. You know, Jesus fed people. Who likes people who feed them? Yeah. Students go, yeah. We love people who feed us. But often, sometimes people come to my house to have a feed, particularly if it's their second visit. I'm saying, you got to do the dishes. Yeah. Or when you come next time, buy a loaf of bread. <laughs> what do you mean? But you fed me for free last time. And sometimes, you know, when we look at the body of Christ Church, we often kind of go, oh, it's just free. It's just free. You know, like where we are today is a Christian church, people have had to lay down their lives for it. People have had to make sacrifices for it. And it's just, it just hasn't happened. And it, and it really means that you have to embrace being uncomfortable. However, the Holy Spirit is your comforter. His role is to come and comfort you and lead you into truth. And like Jesus will confront the sin. Jesus will confront the evil, but the Holy Spirit will give you understanding and He will say, come now, child. <laughs> whenever we uh, engage with conflict, we think someone's against us. Whenever, whenever life hits us and, 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 and so totally unexpected, we feel like, the, like God is against me. I and mean, this, there's theology out there that's saying, God is angry with me. God is angry with, with, with me because of the decisions that I made. Well, I'm here to tell you that God is not angry with you. God loves you, and nothing you will ever do can change that. Let me tell you a bit of story about myself. Um, the, the, the journey of ministry uh, is, is, is one that's been just... I, I stand today and I say, well, thank you, Jesus, that your grace brought me through. But let me tell you, it wasn't pretty at all. Started off in ministry, so I was 16 and I was leading our, our um, children's ministry in our church. 16 year you old, know, me and my best friend, both 16. And it's funny, we're in like in our 40s now. And uh, I just saw a post recently, and he's still, him and his wife and his six kids, uh, are like running the kids' ministry in the church back in Fiji. And I'm just like, he's done all sorts of stuff, but God's just calling back to do that. And I said to him, Bro, you're still doing kids ministry. He's like, man, if you don't change a generation, like this is where it starts. Is actually this is this you're creating? The, 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 you know, we are the the product of the of people's lives that have sown into the ministry and kids ministry. Like, if you're not in kids ministry, that's where you need to be. Is is the ability to be able to shape a generation in order to, to win the world. Because we often complain a lot. We often complain about how the world, oh, and the young people today, they just got no idea. Who are they modeling their lives from? You know, like, you know, don't moan about the fact that your kids are talking back to you. You give them five seconds to disobey you. Get to the, yeah. You know, it's like, let's, let's not blame other people. Let's take ownership. Of, of, of the behavior that's happening around us. Um, I was walking down, going to a, um, and, and Christchurch had this big festival. It was like a noodle market, and so where there's food, I am present. Uh, so I'm walking down, and as I walked past this couple of young lads, and they were they were yelling out obscene stuff. They were swearing, just like not at anyone, but just swearing out there. And I was just walking. I'm the kind of guy, if something like that happens, I'm not going to sit quietly. I'm not going to say, I have to say something. So we're walking down the street, and they're like the Avon Rivers between us. I'm heading towards Hagley Park. They're like walking parallel to me, and there's all these people that are walking around them, and they would swear, and then like this and that. And, and so people would just go, whoa, what's happening here? And, and I'm just like, my blood's boiling, and I'm just walking. And then all of a sudden, I just yelled out, hey! And they looked, and I had this dead look on my face. (laughs) And the young guy was just like, oh, sorry, boss. I was like, shut your mouth. (laughs) And so they were like. "Uh." (laughs) Like, you know, and I'm just like, ah. Like, what model of life have you been following? You know, and so often we're just, you know, nice Christians. We're like, we just want to keep the peace. And, you know, like. Here they were, terrorizing through their words, walking through the streets of Christchurch, just blatting out stuff. And how many, like, like there would have passed hundreds of people. We were in, like, a festival. There were tons of people around. And I just said, shut your mouth. And they were like, sorry, boss. And they just kept walking. I was thinking, like, after I did that, I was like, what happened if they decided to jump on me? You know, like, I don't know. I think this, the old guy's still got some stuff happening. But um, uh, so often, you you know, we be met with people like these in our lives. And 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 because we think we are like, you know, we're like, oh, but Christian's meant to comfort people. We, we often shriek back into the darkness and we kind of, th- we've got nothing to say. We can't say anything. I say, if I can't say anything now, I got no show, you know. So here's the... so. We, we all get into the festival. I forget about them. And then um, I just happened to line up at a dumpling place. And I'm lining up, and there's a bunch of young people that just kind of come by. And they push in line. And I was like, oh, no, you don't. You don't push in front of me at a food line. Like just all on their phones kind of doing their thing. And I just went, excuse me. And they all went. The girls were like, what? And the young, there was one young guy, the young guy that was swearing, he sees me and he's like, oh. <laughs> he just dragged his mates to the back of the queue. <laughs> and I said, like, that's right. Don't get in my way. I will eat you alive. <laughs> but what I wanted to say to this young guy, which I ended up doing after he got his food, I was just saying, hey, What are you doing with your life? Like, I know you feel like you're the man. But let me tell you, the world will, like, someone will take you out somewhere along the line. You don't just do that and expect no, you know, like, nothing. Like, I need to challenge you because I don't want you to to go to prison. I don't want you to, to do dumb things. Someone needs to stand up for you. And there are probably people who are doing this, but you're not listening. So open up your ears. Open your ears and listen. And I was thinking, God, why did, I, why did I open my mouth? Why am I having this conversation? And I felt like, man, if we're not saying stuff, then who else will? In your own homes. I mean, I know I've grown teenagers. I've got two young men in my house. And it's like, man, if you don't open your mouth, if you don't say something, you know, they're just going to wander. But what I love about the house of God is like it takes a village to raise a family. And like you're in the best place to be able to do that because nobody's perfect, eh? Turn to your neighbor and say, you're not that perfect. <laughs> you're not that perfect. Phew. Yeah, 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 yeah. Expose that bag. I'm not perfect. I'm not perfect. So Peter, James, and John, Jesus calls them while they were fishing. So successful people, God calls successful people. God doesn't call people who are sitting on the couch watching Netflix, who have got nothing better to do. God calls people who are on the move. God doesn't call you because he's got no one better to find. God calls you right where he needs you and right when you need him. Right? So, so, um, So when he called them, they were, like, I would imagine they were at the top of their game. You know, uh, so I'd been in ministry, did youth work for a few years, and, uh, and then some stuff happened in my world. I lost the plot, left ministry, <laughs> and just decided, heck no, that's not for me. That's, that ministry stuff is hard, right? So I left it and then uh, moved to, went to Bible college. I thought, I'll hide in Bible college. But I was like, nope. God still got his light on us, and we thought, well, we've just got to follow. We've got to trust God. We left, but we came to Christchurch. It was the only, I believe that was the only way we could have got to Christchurch is God would lead us there. We get there, you know, things are going well, and then you hit some, some stormy weather, and then, you know, you know what I'm talking about, right? And it's just stuff happens, and you, you know, either people leave you or you leave people. And and so you start to make this this decision because you want to protect yourself, right? And so we're going through, and um, the earthquake happens in Christchurch, and we're kind of going, "Oh man, uh, what do we do now?" We we weren't part of a church, but there was this lady who got it sent down uh, from Auckland Church. Uh, we had mutual friendships through other friends, so we would meet at this barbecue. And, um, you know, she was lovely, we met her and stuff. We had no idea what Equippers was or anything like that. We just knew about Pastor Wayne and Libby because we followed them for many years, parachute band, right? So just kind of, what are these guys doing? Fine. So fast forward. Uh, we get to the point where uh, we were running a gathering in our lounge uh, just with a bunch of friends. It was meant to be just with the four of us. And then um, It grew. Friends were gathering. Friends, our lounge was too small. We had friends who was a, a friend who was the principal of the local school. He opens up a classroom for us to go and uh, you know do this uh, gathering thing because we didn't want a church. We was just we were just reading the Bible and praying. Uh, and then the classroom became too small. By now, I would started working in the airline industry, and and work was going. The grace of God, favor. You know, Shelley had started teaching, but we were doing this thing on Sunday. Uh, the classroom got too small and so we were like we we're like oh but maybe we'll use the hall because now kids are starting to gather and stuff like that so we go into the hall school hall and so we like you know over a hundred people were gathering and we were like had this moment we're kind of going what's going on here <laughs> we didn't ask for this we were just doing something in our lounge and because it just grew we just came and, and I was thinking no 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 we're not doing this so we thought, let's just, because people were starting to call it church. People will start and name it. I'm like, don't name it. It's not meant to be that. I don't want it to be that. I'm not the pastor. da 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 And so we're just going through that. I had promotions at work, and you know, things were going really well. We got, got to the point where I said, I had to ask God, I said, what, are you, what do you want us to do? And so, you know, we did the Christian thing. We fasted, and we prayed, and we waited. But I knew in my heart what God wanted. Got to the end of the month, and um, I sat with the, the people, the church people, and I said, No, you, you tell me what God's telling you. And they said, No, you tell us what God's telling you. And so I went, You know, past this heart, I was like, I don't want to let these people down because I know what God's saying to us. And God said, Shut this down. And I went, Okay, we will. And the people were going, We kind of feel that, but it's nice just to be together. I said, but it's not what God's plan is for us. Following week, we had this fellowship lunch, said goodbye to everyone. And the week after, it was just the four of us again in our lounge. That was weird. And so here we were in our lounge. Everybody was on a device. And we thought, now let's find a place where we could worship together as a family. We came up with 15 churches in Christchurch. Right? Fifteen churches. And we're like, how are we gonna do this? And so my wife Shelly, she's like, we're just gonna have to go, you know, week to week to week to week. Equippers was our first church because of this lady that we'd made friends with, and she would just text words of encouragement. Hey, just you know, God hasn't got his hand off you. Da da da. da, da. We went. And the night before we went, my son Reuben, was younger. He felt really sick, just, just happened. And so we said, okay, you guys stay home. And and, and I, my older son, we're going to go to Crippers. i tell you what, as we walk through, you know how you, it's stuff that you've been dreaming about, stuff that you've been longing for in your heart, and I'm talking years. It just, things were starting to fall into place. Like I felt at home, even though I was a stranger, I felt at home. And I was just thinking, oh, wow. I've never felt this before. So I walked in through the door, and I just happened to sit behind the pastors on the second row, and tears are now flowing. Like, I've never been to a church that jumps during praise. And that's been this thing that's been inside of me. It's like, why aren't people excited about Jesus? Why aren't people passionate about their faith? And for once in my life, this is not a concert. It's like praise and worship. And I was like, oh, my goodness, God, this is something I've been praying for. Now, because I've worked in hospitality, everything mattered to me. The way the tables were covered, everything mattered to the way they served the food, the way people spoke to you, all those mattered to me. And I'm just like, oh, my gosh. I was, I'm looking around because, you know, I've stayed in hotels, and you look at the way they do stuff, and you've eaten in an expensive restaurant, and you're like, oh, my gosh, this is Church? And all of those things, you can do like my pastor box, everything's just been ticked. And I just went, oh my gosh, this is it. So after church, I called Shelly and I just said, hey, I found it. And like any good wife, she's like, no, you haven't. Because I haven't been. And so I said, well, next Sunday we'll come back again. She's like, but we've got a schedule. I was like, no, you have to come back. You have to come back. You know, the Word, everything about it was just life-changing for me because I felt I was, like, pretty stale, and I needed something. I was interacting with the world. I was interacting with people in a tin can 40,000 feet in the air for hours, and I needed my faith to kind of be alive, right? I was like, what do I give? I just don't want to go to work. I want to go into the mission field. And so I did that. Next Sunday, we come back, and in the service, my wife nudges me like this, and she's, she looks at me, and she's like, this is it. And I'm like, yes. And so she's like, what about the other 14? I was like, stuff it, mate. This is it. We're, this is us. We're going here now. Like, after the service, I said to her, you go to the red tent, and because, you know, you're Christians. You've got to tithe, rah, 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 rah. So I'm like, go and get our tithe number, and I'm going to find something to do. So I was like, the best thing I knew what to do was to get into that kitchen and help out however way I can. Went to the cafe manager and I said, hey, uh, we're new to church. We've just found our family. What can I do? And she holds me. She's like, oh, man, like the dishes person didn't turn up today. Can you do the dishes? And I was like, love to. I'd love to do the dishes. So I started doing the dishes. And you know how God, like, I'm, I'm not saying this, this role that I'm doing now is a promotion. I'm just saying it's just a journey of faith. It's not, you, I've not arrived. I'm still doing the dishes. I'm still picking up rubbish. I'm still talking to people who are down and out in the mission field, but I feel fulfilled. Have a look at Peter, James, and John. They were in the middle of successful ministry in the marketplace And Jesus called them out. Now, they gave up their possessions. They would have given up their prominence. They would have given up their their finances. But they were prepared to move on with Jesus. So Jesus said, oh, you'll still be fishing. You'll still be fishing, but it won't be for fish. You'll be fishing for people, right? Oh, you'll still be fishing, not for your benefit, but for the greater purpose. You'll still be fishing, not for profit, but for the kingdom. You'll still be fishing. You see, calling is not about an address. It's not about your vocation. Your calling is something that God has stamped on your life, and God has called you. If you're a mom at home and you're running the show, you are called. If you're out in the marketplace, if you're in the the work site, you are called. If you're in hospitals, if you're a youth worker, if you're a volunteer, you are called. It's not about what benefits you. It's about what benefits the kingdom. It is about at what level am I going to expose the gift of God inside of me in order that I could make a difference in someone's life. Like this young lady, Letitia, in in the the airplane this morning, she just said, I've never met anyone like you. I'm like, well, the word is a sad place. Because there are more people like me. You just haven't spoken to them. Right? And I'm thinking about coming to church this morning. I'm like, how do I... Have this conversation and give her an invitation, even though I don't come here regularly. So I thought, I'm gonna tell you about it. She's gonna turn up to your house and she's gonna be looking like she's had a Catholic background, lovely, lovely person, but she needs Jesus, right? And I thought, hmm, not only did she say, I'm gonna come check it out, I was like, Union Street, like number 22, 24, well, She'll find you. I said, it's black on the outside. It's got quippers on it. And then, so she then said to me, I've got a friend in Christchurch that I will tell her to come and find your church because she needs this message of hope, right? And I'm going, you put bags away? Now you're changing the world. You tell her how to store her bags? Now you're changing the world. Now, who are the people that you're helping right now? Who are the people in your world that you're just helping them sort their bags out? And you're changing the world. Like ministry is everywhere. Ministry is not a location or a vocation. Ministry is a calling to each one of us. We're all ministers, right? God has called you. God has positioned you. The people that you talk to are not the people that I could talk to. You are in their world right now making a difference. And so all we got to do is be salt and light. Salt and light. Point the way to Jesus, right? And be flavorful. Like, don't be boring. Don't be, like, bland. Like, come on. We all know that with a little bit of salt on the food kind of brings the flavor out. Yeah? Too much salt. No salt. And I believe that for for the church, we are meant to be salt and light. Like Jesus said, Jesus said, you got to do it. Like, we are salt. We bring the flavor So look at your life now. Ask yourself the question, am I adding flavor to my friendships? Am I adding flavor to my marriage? Am I adding flavor to my workplace? Am I adding flavor to my kids' lives? Am I adding flavor to the world? See, Jesus says to them, I see a gift in you to fish. I see a gift in you to fish. Now I'm going to call you. I love how they drop their nets. I mean, who asks people and they just drop it? I know for me, coming back into ministry, it was like a six-month conversation. I'm like, yeah, nah. Yeah, nah. I've done that before. Nah. You know, sometimes Christian people can be nasty. I don't want that. My, my parents were, were ministers. like I'm just like, hmm. That's a hard life because people think they own you. And so I've got to, I had to battle with that. And then at the end of the day, I said, God, you are faithful. I know that you will see me through anything. And so because you say so, I will. Because you say so, I will. Jesus says to them, Look, come follow me, and I will enlarge your capacity. Saying yes to Jesus is about him opening up our world, opening up your capacity to reach more fish, more fish. And he's chosen you because you're good at what fishing you do. We know they're all sorts of fishermen, right? Deep sea one, net ones, like broad ones. Yeah, you know, fish and chip ones. <laughs> Jesus is saying to them, yeah, you fish, so in your ability to do that, but I'm going to bring you into your calling. I'm going to call you into your calling. And it's not about like a one-stop shop sausage machine that you just become like everyone else. You have a purpose that is significantly chosen just for you. Then only you could fulfill. And so that's not comfortable, right? Because sometimes the people you got to deal with are the people that you were, the kind of person that you were. And so now, by the grace of God, you're going to have to come like, oh man, you know, parenting for me, like we've got one child that was me and I'm seeing, and whenever I talk to my mom about him, she's just like, (laughs) I'm like, what are you laughing at? She's like, (laughs) that was you and just seeing how you can you can change a strong it's like a you know a, a horse that needs to be harnessed in like if you could do that so i go for the hardest cases so give me something that's like hard because i was a hard kid you know and i thank god for the people that were in my world who just kind of lovingly addressed lovingly disciplined <laughs> lovingly pointed the way in order that I could be the man I am today. And so like I said to you, like I stand here before you, I'm not better than you. I'm just another dude. I was brought up in the islands. (laughs) Hey, I'm one up on you on that. (laughs) Not really, not really. But like I'm just another guy who said yes. We're just another bunch of people who says yes. And how much more we, we need to say yes to Jesus, hey? Thank you, Jesus. We often say, uh, when we feel fearful about the stuff that the Holy Spirit puts into our heart, like fear is actually an ally for faith. Because you're never completely sure. Someone says to you, God said to me. Like, like there's an element where you actually have to have faith involved. So I get like 20%. I'm like, I'm sure 20% God said this. And then the 80% is like actually going. Like I'm like, you know, like I go through stuff in ministries. I'm, you know, God speaks, and I'm like, oh, I hope that's you. Because <laughs> right now I'm going to look like a fool. <laughs> and I, I pray it's you. Because I, I, you live every moment just going, God, I have no idea. Walking into a, into a situation where this couple have been married for 40 plus years, have gone through storms. And now I am the guy that needs to go in. Please go before me. Yeah. You know, the situation, I'm with a deathbed of a friend, like just in the, a couple of weeks ago, I buried him a couple of weeks ago. I'm there, and I'm like, this guy's like 40 years my senior. And, 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 and me? I'm, what am I doing here? You know, and I just said, Holy Spirit, I don't want to do this without you. He's a Christian, his wife's a Christian, the rest of their family are not. And I'm like, Oh, you know, these kind of funerals is going to be like, hmm, sparks could fly. But God, by His grace, gives us the ability to be able to serve the family. So after the service, people are coming up like, so you're a pastor, right? What kind of pastor are you? What kind of church do you go to? And so Wendy, the, 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 the widow, says, oh, he goes to like a jumpy, jumpy church. And the people are like, I've always wanted to go to a jumpy, jumpy church. I say, well, you can come to our church, 10, p- 10 a.m., 5 p.m., this is where we are, Ra 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 rah, But how many people are just wanting to find people who are passionate, people who are passionate about their belief and their faith in Jesus, putting it out there and just kind of like, I'm just me. There's nothing different about me. Hmm. Jesus is saying, I'm not going to call you outside of your compet- competency area. He's chosen you because of your competency, of what you can do. And he's going to do the rest. In other words, if you can't sing, he's not going to call you to go to the voice. Right? Like he's got to use your ability. He used Peter because he knew how to fish. Right? Tax collectors, they know people. They know, like they deal with people all the time how God has positioned you will just be the very thing that he would use to, to win people over. Okay, 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 okay. God calls you out of your success in order that you could sacrificially live for him. Like at the top, like wouldn't it be amazing that if everybody in the room, whatever field you're a part of, God will elevate you to a place of success in order that you could have a platform to reach out to people. Do you know the aviation industry that I've just come out of is uh, uh, the, the the role that I got handed? Uh, you had to be in the in in the business for ten years in order to get this position. Funnily enough, we were just at Equipa's six months, and uh, this this job came up right. And I was thinking, oh, I'll never be able to do that. But there's something inside of me just going, no, 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 I want you to do that. And I just felt like, well, God, if this is you, I'm going to take a step. I went and talked to my manager, the person that I thought would believe in me. And I'd only be flying for a year. And she's just like, <laughs> cool. But nah. Like, you have to be flying for 10 years to get this role. So this is a regulation role. So you're working for the CAA. And she's like, "No, you know what? Maybe you need some more experience. But I kept, I was like, but can I just give it a shot? And she's like, okay. So I did it. On the morning of my interview, there was about 45 people of senior crew who were you know, going to for this job. Three positions, 45 people. And I'm like the most junior of all of them. I turn up, or before I left home, I was just like getting ready. And I just felt what I felt, what the Holy Spirit was saying to me was, put your full uniform on. Like there was no expectation. But he said, Put it on. So I was like, oh man. Turned up and I was the only person in full uniform at this interview. So like you want a neon light to say that like <laughs> like right. I get into this interview. There's a panel, it's an hour interview, and they have to quiz you on every regulatory safety protocol in the airlines. And it had to be word for word. I don't want to be flying a year. That morning, I just prayed like, "I'm just going to do my best, okay, God, you do the rest." Forty-five minutes of this interview, I was telling my testimony. <laughs> so they were like, um, "So we see that you been. can you tell us a bit about yourself?" Okay, I just I just started telling them about the fact that I was not perfect, that I was part of a, a, a you know a brand new faith community that I was so excited about it, fulfilled my dreams and. 45 minutes and then you know this lady on the side she was just like <clears throat> so we've got 15 minutes left we, we need to finish off the interview they, they just like shouted all these things and I was like <laughs> <laughs> done went home two weeks and I'm just like I, I don't want to look like a fool because if I don't get the job and like people say told you so but inside of me I just felt like God was saying you got this we've got this Get this phone call for 10 minutes. This lady's just rambling on about how the fact this is the hardest thing they've had to do. And I'm just like, lady, like, I just need you to know I did my best. That's it. And then at the very end, she's like, and so we want to offer you a position. (laughs) Right, so so that. And then here's the thing, like, the, the platform, like, the people that I got to interact with, I would never as a pastor, come across these guys the impact of their families like if there was anything like so the the, the role is every year a, a cabin crew member would have to go through this exam thing and i had the authority to either say you can fly you won't fly retraining thanks for coming right that was that, that was the thing every annually so you could imagine like we've had like really nasty examiners in the past, you know, when I first came on, my examiner was just like, I'm like, are you for real? Are you a real person? Um, that, that kind of stuff, right? So uh, can I have the keys person back up? I'll, I'll wrap up. Um, like, it's just, I'm there, and I'm, I'm having this conversation with, with someone who's petrified. Because now I have to quiz them. And I said to them, "Mate, hey, we were trained the same way. The stuff I know, you know, and you do this every day. So relax, chill, you have this. They'll go through the first half hour before a flight with me. And then they're like, I've never experienced it before. Now I'm talking to senior crew members who've been flying for many years. And annually, this stuff is like a noose around their neck. Like, I'll try again for another year. You know, you see them walking through airports. (laughs) and you kind of think, oh, they're just like trolley dollies. They just serve tea and coffee. But there's a greater purpose. And what do people see when they see you? Walking around with your smile, coming to church, leaving. Like, like, do they know who you have on your side? Like, we're all called, right? And so we have the ability to make a difference in, in someone's life every single day. We leave the church now and like, you you know if you're parking in a place that like you just got a ticket, right there is an opportunity. Right there is an opportunity to have this conversation, where someone's just doing their job. And you just have to pay a fine, and that's a place of discomfort, right? But you can move through that, just pay the money and move on. But it's just kind of like, what are we depositing? into the places. that What are we leaving? What mark are we leaving? I mean, today's all about leaving a carbon footprint, reducing the carbon footprint. What are you reducing? Are you reducing poverty? Are you reducing homelessness? Are you reducing hunger? Are you reducing the, the, the lack of relationship goodness that's around? Are you reducing the toll on marriage breakups? Are you, what are you reducing? Are you, are you reducing the statistic on suicides? What are you reducing? The thing is that you are called. You are purposed by God. And I'm here to remind you today because you already know this stuff. See, when God calls you, you're on the move. He doesn't call idle people. He calls people who are on the move because you you have to kickstart someone back into, into motion. And so I believe in the house of God, if, if you're, you, know, you feel like, man, I'm one of those people, I'm kind of packed up, I just turn up, roll out. I don't serve here. I don't do nothing. Like momentum needs to take place. You need people in your world who will say, come with me. Come with me now. Your life depends upon this. And then you have a couple who've been in a place and you just got to be in the, in, in, the, in the wake of great leaders around you in the community who will just say. And so when you get the call from Pastor Sam, It's just like, yeah, of course. But you never dreamed that He would call you out of being a fisherman to kind of go, now I'm going to teach you how to fish. And that's across the board. Like equally, we're all called. Equally, God has purposed us. We need to just return to the design of God's purpose. Return. And life is never, never too late for you to start over again. It's never too late. My life is a testimony of that. It's never too late to start over again. I was talking to um, my brother on the, on the way here, Ryan, and he picked me up from the airport, and we're just two dads talking in this SUV. Yeah, you know, I was just talking about the challenge of being a parent and the challenge of, of you know, how do you, how do you do that well? I think, you know, for brothers in the room, like environments like church, so often we just come in. And you know, ah oh, was awesome, da, 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 da. We don't talk about the finer things that like anger, fear, you know, hopelessness and ambition and purpose and stuff. Like this is where we need to talk about that stuff. Not at the pub when we're kind of like tanking up, but right here in this place, because God is God is interested in men. I'm talking to the men right now. God is interested in your life. God is interested in calling the best out of you. God is interested in, in, in you being the best dad or being the best son, being the best husband. God is interested in that, because we make the world better when we know who we are. And the same across for lovely ladies who are in the room, is that you bring the beauty and strength into community when you are operating in your calling and in your purpose. Can I ask you to stand? Um, I feel like in this moment I just wanna hmm. there are people who are here that this is something that's just been deposited into your spirit and you can like I can dream again I can hope again I am standing in front of you because I just said one yes And that all it requires is just a yes. God will sort out the rest. God will sort it out. We moved from Fiji with like 500 bucks in our bank account. Nowhere to live. You need a car in New Zealand to kind of do stuff. No house, you know, no friends, no family. But we said yes. And God does the rest. You're not living to kind of go, worrying about everything. But we just say just saying, Father, we know you have our back. And, and wherever, wherever our foot would tread is blessed of you. My job is to be obedient. Your job is to be obedient. He'll sort out the rest. And so just in this moment, I mean, I, I want to speak to a couple of, couple of things. Firstly, to those who find themselves in a place where they're just lost like if you could picture yourself just sitting on the couch, I'm just like nowhere. I'm going nowhere. And in a sense, this morning something has sparked in your spirit and, and you feel like you could go again. If that's you, can you just give me a wave? If that's you this morning, I see your hand. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, see that hand. I see you. See you. Yeah, see you. Come on, young and old, right across this room. People just... Responding right now just there's something is that God wants you to know that you can go again you can go again it is not the end it is part of the plan is that you would have this form of discomfort right now in order that you could be awakened to go again And so, Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, on your sons and your daughters this morning, I want to pray, Father, a supernatural touch over their lives. Thank you for purpose. Thank you for what you've done in the past. But we thank you. You're the God who renews. You're the God who brings and calls us into greater things. We thank you that you're a God who provides. We thank you that you're a God who's unchanging. And so this morning, we put you back in your rightful place on this to sit on the throne room of our hearts right now for you to rule and reign. Lord, that as you would reign, Father, we would bring the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven down to earth. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. I wanna talk to people this morning who, who feel distant who feel distant, they felt like they've walked away from the calling or their calling walked away from them. I wanna talk to you this morning because I feel God wants to restore the calling of God on your life. If that's you, can we just shut our eyes? Can we just close our eyes? If that's you this morning, can you just give me a quick wave? I wanna see your hand. I believe there's faith for you. I see your hand. I believe there's faith for you this morning. I see your hand. I believe that right now God wants to restore. God wants to breathe purpose back into you. God says, I have not let you go. But I want you to know that I'm with you till the end of the age. And God has called you for your for such a time as this in Jesus' name. Father, right now, for our brothers and sisters, right now in the name of Jesus, I declare, Father, your purpose. And I call in, Father, the goodness of God. Father, over them right now, that they may see the greatness of God in their lifetime. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. We hope you enjoyed this message recorded at Equippers Church, Dunedin. We pray it blessed you. For more information, please visit equipuschurch.com.